Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, and shalom, brothers and sisters. We are glad you are with us online once again, and we look forward to see you even for the online service this Good Friday. Friday, do not miss it. And also next week, Easter, we are going to have the physical and also the hybrid service we look forward to it. Now, today is uh, an, a very important day, and this week is a very important week in the calendar of the church. And uh, it's, called, it's what we call the triumphant, ent tri triumphal entry of Jesus Christ into Jerusalem. Now, it is variously known as Palm Sunday or Passion Sunday. What's the difference? Palm Sunday is the celebration of the believers when Jesus Christ entered into Jerusalem. But Passion Sunday refers to the passion of Christ. Passion comes from the Latin word, passio, which means suffering, extreme suffering. So Passion Sunday focuses on the suffering of Christ rather than the celebration of the believers. Now both are in place, depending on what our focus ought to be. The triumphant entry of Jesus Christ into Jerusalem is mentioned in all four Gospels. Now, it must be very, very important for the Gospel writers, for all the Gospel writers to focus on the, on the triumphant entry of Jesus Christ. But there is a different narrative or an additional narrative that is found only in the Gospel of Luke. Matthew and Mark did not mention it at all. And I'd like to focus more on the passion of Christ this morning rather than the, rather than the celebration of the believers during that Palm Sunday. And that narrative that is found only in the Gospel of Luke. Let's read it in Luke chapter 19, verse 41 to verse 44. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you, when your enemies, your building embankment around you, surround you, close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to, be, to the ground and they will not leave in you one stone upon another. And Jesus said, because you did not know the time of your visitation. We call this the triumphant entry of Jesus Christ. But what is so triumphant about that entry? There was no victory as yet. Yes, there were the cheering of the people, the celebration of the crowd, but there was no crown at all. In fact, the only crown that lays ahead five days later is when Jesus Christ would be crucified. So what is so triumphant, triumphant about the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ? It's not the entry that is triumphant, but rather is the love of Jesus Christ. It is love that is triumphant. 
And that's why I'd like to focus on this morning. We know that God is love. Love is described in different ways. Human love, selfish love, love for material things, love for food. But all these are nothing at all compared to the triumphant love of Jesus Christ as he enters into Jerusalem. What is this kind of love? You find that there is no truth that is more important. There is no truth that can transform your life and my life other than the truth of God's love for each and every one of us. So let's not take it lightly. But let's understand God's triumphant love even during this time. Five days before His crucifixion and one week before His resurrection. It is the triumph of God's suffering love. The Bible here says, Now, as He drew near to Jerusalem, He saw the city. Now, Jesus Christ was on the way down to Jerusalem. He was on, the, on Mount Olives. And around the corner, he could see the city. And as he drew near the city, the Bible says he saw the city. It is Jesus' resolution, resolve to go to the city of Jerusalem. In fact, before this, three times he had told the disciples he would die in Jerusalem. The people would crucify him, the people would blaspheme him, and he would suffer in Jerusalem. He knew what lay ahead of him in Jerusalem, but that did not deter him from fulfilling his mission and his call. If he did not go to Jerusalem, there would be no Good Friday. There would be no crucifixion. There would be no salvation for us. And there would be no Easter at all. So that's why it was so necessary for him to go to Jerusalem, knowing that he would die there. And yet in love, in love, for his creation, for his people. He went to Jerusalem, to the cross, to die for you and for me. He knew what lay ahead of him, and yet he continued to ride on that donkey. Oh, that does not symbolize a king. The, symbol, the, the donkey symbolizes servanthood. It is just like a donkey carrying wood to be burned. And Jesus knew that the donkey would carry him as a sacrifice. The people wanted a warrior king. But here comes a savior king riding on a donkey. Knowing what lay ahead, 
He continues to ride on that donkey to Jerusalem. Ride on, King Jesus. Ride on. Because that's our only hope. That's our only hope at the cross. It was Dietrich Bonhoeffer who said that Jesus was aged out of the world to the cross because that's the way, the only way for us to be safe. And he added, only a suffering God can help us. Only a suffering God can help us. And Jesus was willing to lay down his life. He said, no greater love than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friend. And when Jesus rode and then on that donkey towards Jerusalem, he had you, he had me on his mind. Oh, the power of his suffering love. He looked into your eyes, he looked into my eyes. Eyes of forgiveness, eyes of love. Eyes that will just speak to me volumes of freedom from sin. Forgiveness of sins, deliverance from the power of sin and guilt and shame. He looks into my eyes, he looks into your eyes. And he said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Some of you may remember the famous movie called. Crocodile Dundee. Oh, that was many years ago. That hero from down under Australia. And in that movie, he made a trip to New York City. And while he was accompanied by a female reporter, he went into an area where there were thugs, gangsters. And they were surrounded by gangsters who wanted to rob them. Crocodile Dundee was just cool. When he refused to hand over his wallet, one of the young hoodlums, Tuck, just took out a switchblade. You know what is a switchblade? Just a very small pen knife, so to speak. And he says, hand over the money or I'll kill you. Crocodile Dundee was not moved at all. And he pointed to that switch blade. He says, that's not a knife. His other hand just went to his back and picked up the, his knife. And he took out the biggest knife anybody has seen down the streets there. And he says, this is a knife. And on seeing the knife, the real knife of Crocodile Dundee, of course, all the hoodlums, all the gangsters just fled. We talk about love. Even the noblest sacrifice of love cannot be compared to the love of God on the cross. We can say all kinds of human love. That's not love. But when you look at the cross of Jesus Christ, now that is love. That is love. 
You want to know how much God loves us? Search no further. Look no further. Is that a cross? And that's why Jesus came. He went through Jerusalem to the cross for you and for me. Suffering love. Then the Bible says also that he not just saw the city, but he wept over it. He wept over it. In the midst of all the celebration, all the shouting, all the hosanna, Jesus was weeping. That's kind of out of place. But that's the feelings of our Savior. Jesus wept out of love for the city and for the people, for you and for me. There were only two times in the Bible that recorded for us that Jesus wept. The first time was at the graveyard of Lazarus. He saw everybody weeping because of the death of Lazarus, including the two sisters. And the Bible says, in the shortest verse in the Bible, John chapter 11, Jesus wept. The other time is here, when he was going down on, on Mount Olives, entering into Jerusalem. He saw the city and he wept. What did he see that caused him to weep? What did he see? He saw a people that called on his name, but never honored him. He saw the people that sing the praises of God, but not from their heart. He saw people that are very religious, but do not obey the command of God. He saw the people going through the motions of religion, but it's far from God. He saw people lost, desperate, looking for the wrong things in life. He saw people that are still bound by sin. There is no way out. Not from the Roman power and bondage and definitely not from the power of Satan. So he wept. He wept. This is the city that makes God weep. This is the people that makes God cry. When I read this passage, it always crossed my mind how I have made God weep and cry over me. The things that I have done, the things that I have not done, the things I have said, the things that I shouldn't have said. Oh, he, how he must have broken the heart of God 
when God has spoken and I refuse to believe, when God has extended His love, I refuse to accept. The people that miss God cry. How tragic. And yet, how real it is. But brothers and sisters, do you know what? Even though he wept, he continues to love. He continues to love. He knew the people who were shouting, Hosanna! Hosanna! Blessed be the one who comes in the name of the Lord. He knows that they don't mean it from their heart. He knew that the same people on that Friday, five days later, will shout, crucify Him! Crucify Him! But guess what? His love for the crowd on that Passion Sunday who shouted, Hosanna! is the same love that He has for those on Friday who shouted, crucify Him. It doesn't change a bit. This is what we call God's unconditional love. God loves us. Not because we are good. Not because we are righteous. Not because we are rich. Not because we are educated. God loves us simply because He wanted to love us. Simply because He chose to love you and me. That's all. There's nothing in you and me that would cause God to love us. One moment we shout Hosanna, another moment we shout crucify. We are so fickle. And yet, God loves us. That is the unconditional, sacrificial love of God for each and every one of us. God declared His love to the people of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 7 to verse 8. God declares, or Moses declares that the Lord has chosen you, the Lord has loved you. Why? Not because you have the largest number on earth. No, you are the smallest people on earth. And yet God loves you because He wanted to. He chose you. And He gave His oath to you. Oh, I'm so amazed. I'm so amazed by God's unconditional love for me. I cannot comprehend it. I've walked away from Him. I'm so slow to respond to Him. And yet He loves me. He forgives me. He'll do the same for you, my friend. Just as you are, you can come before God. He accepts you. Martin Luther says, God does not love us 
because we are valuable. But rather, we are valuable because God loves us. Type in that chat group, I am valuable to God. He loves me. Yes, you are valuable to God because He loves you so. Kalbao, the famous Swiss theologian, was asked the question, what is the most important truth that you have discovered in your life as a theologian? Now, his theologies are very profound. One of the top theologian in the world when he was alive. So when I ask that question, what is the most important truth that you have discovered? And he just answered, the most important truth I have discovered in life is this. And everybody is expecting a very profound answer. But he answered, is this. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. It's not because of the circumstances. It's not because of who you are. It's because of His unconditional love. He loves you. He loves me. When my dad passed away, buried him in the Cheras Cemetery, I was wondering what to put on the tombstone. I decided just to put on the tombstone. But he has fell in the later part of his life. I just put on the tombstone, Jesus loves me, this I know. And today, in spite of all my sins, in spite of all my weaknesses, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves me. This I know. It is also the triumph of His caring love. We have seen the action of Jesus Christ when He rode into Jerusalem. We have felt His emotion when He wept over the city. But what are His thoughts? The most important thing are his thoughts. And he said, he declared to us his thoughts. And we understand what he was thinking then. If you had known the things that make for peace. Verse 42. And in verse 44, you did not know the time of your visitation. Jesus wants us to know. And that knowledge is not just theoretical knowledge up in the head, but it's in the heart. Jesus wants us to know and to experience in this text here two things. His peace and His loving care for each one of us. As He saw the people and the crowd he knew that they are without peace. There is no peace of heart. There is no peace of mind at all. 
That's why he wept for them. Oh, if you only knew. If you only knew. If you had known the way of peace. The emphasis here, actually, the full verse is, if you had known, even you, even you, you who's supposed to be religious, supposed to be spiritual, if you had known, if you had only known the way of peace, but they do not know the peace of God. They do not know what real peace is, what true peace is. And here was the Prince of Peace, they thought that the peace that the Romans gave is good enough. At that time, Rome is known for their pets, Romana. Roman peace. But there's a false peace. It's a dictatorial peace. It's a peace under the sword. You obey, you listen, you do what I tell you, you will have peace. Otherwise, it's the sword. But Jesus says, if you had only known the peace that I, the Prince of Peace, brings to you. In fact, they have shouted, Hosanna! Blessed be the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in the highest in heaven. They have thought about peace, but they have never experienced peace. And here, Christ comes to give peace. Shalom. Shalom. The real peace. Shalom is an all-inclusive word. It is complete peace. Not just tranquility, but fulfillment, satisfaction. Whole being. Peace for your body, for your spirit, for your soul, for your economy, for your situation. It's a complete peace of God. The most important thing is the peace of God. And when you say shalom to somebody, that's the most important greetings that you can, and blessings that you can give to somebody. It shows the love and care of God. Today, some of you are seeking for peace in all the different ways, and Jesus is crying if you only know the way of peace. He is right here, standing before you. And not only that, he says also, you did not know the day of your visitation. The word visitation is very interesting. Check your Bible. In different versions, it is translated differently. Some say it's about the opportunity. Some talk about the time of his coming. But the word visitation comes from the word episkopos. That's where... You know, uh, in, the, in some uh, Orthodox churches, they, they get the word episcopos and it's the uh, uh, episcopal church. Episcopos basically means oversight, oversee, to oversee something. But it is more than that. It is caring after. It is caring after, not just overseeing of, uh, something, but it is really caring after. And so, when Jesus talks about the day of your visitation, God has visited us. God has come. Not as a judge only, 
the sins are already, already judged on the cross, but He comes to take care of each and every one of us. He's caring love. He's episcopos upon each and every one of us. He comes desiring to impart His blessings, His love, His care, His provision upon each one of us. It does not matter how difficult the times may be. It does not matter how dangerous the times may be. God's love and care endures forever. This is the triumph of God's love. He never deserts us. He never forsakes us. No matter what you go through. It is just like the, like the little boy who was lost in a mall. And he began to be frantic, looking around for mom. But in the crowd, he couldn't find mommy. And there were so many people, so all of them are strangers to him. And there was a blaring music in the mall. He got frightened. He began to cry. And then, out of the blue, mom suddenly found the son. And mom just grabbed the son and held the son in her embrace in her arms. And guess what? In the embrace of the loving mom, the son stopped crying. Why? Not because the environment has changed. Not because everything else has changed. Not because the people suddenly has become so friendly to him. No. Because he felt safe in the embrace of his mom. Friends, God reaches out in his love and care for us. It does not matter whether the people know you or not. It does not matter whether the people are friendly with you or not. It does not matter whether the circumstances are difficult or not. It does not matter whether the political situation is right or wrong. But in the embrace of God, in His episcopus, we know He cares for us. He will not let us fall. He will not let us be injured. He will not let us be lost. It's God's caring care for caring love for us. And we see all that in this brief narrative that Luke presented to us of a Savior King who went to Jerusalem, who wept over Jerusalem, and who declared God's caring love upon His people. What about you? Some of you may say, Ah, God's love. I have heard about that. Nothing. It doesn't make any difference. And some of you may walk away just in that manner. It doesn't make any difference to you. That's what Martin Lloyd Jones says. The greatest neglect of the Christian is on the love of God. The love of Jesus Christ for us. We neglected that and we take it for granted. Friends, that love can change your life. This is the most important truth for every Christian. And also, if you are not a Christian, this is the most important thing that you need to understand. 
For many years, as a teenager, I was a religious person. I was searching for the true God. Religious in every way, but I know that something is missing. To cut a long story short, one day, God led me to a church. And the, and the church was packed. And that was in Alostar. And the service was about to be over. But the moment that I stepped into that church, now I do not know what was happening in that church, but I say it was close to the end of the service. But the moment I stepped into that church, I felt the love of God. I felt the peace of God. And it is like God overflowed me with His love. And I can't explain it. Tears began to trickle down my eyes. And I, I couldn't understand what I was doing, but I was so overwhelmed. The speaker, the preacher, the missionary there hasn't even given an, any invitation. But I walked down the aisle. So overwhelmed by the love of God, I know this is it. This is what I've been searching for all these years. And I told the preacher, Preacher, I want Jesus. When you're touched by the love of God, you will never be the same again. And Jesus wants you to experience that love. Oh, that you only know my love. You only know my peace. You only know if you only know my plan. He wants to reveal it to you. Will you receive it? And for all the Christians here, let's not take it for granted. This is the most important truth that will transform your life. And I believe that some of you are touched by the love of God even right now. What are you going to do about it? Will you de dedicate your life to serve God? To live your life for Him? He has given His all for you. Will you give your life for Him? Some of you, God is calling you into the ministry. You have been touched so powerfully by the love of God. You know it's real. Don't walk away from it and do nothing about it. It cost Jesus everything. And that is why I was so open to God. And six months later, God called me into the ministry. Friends, it is the love of God. A love that is triumphant. A love that is willing to suffer for you. Accept you as you are. And an unconditional agape love. And that will carry you all the way. Will you receive that love of God and live your life for Him. Let's pray. Perhaps there are those in our midst here that God is touching you by His love right now. It is real. You can experience it. All you need to do is to accept Jesus Christ. Believe in Him and what He has done for you on the cross and ask Him to come into your life. And I tell you, just, just, just as I received Jesus Christ more than 40 years ago, His love is as real to me today as it was when I walked down that church and said, I want to receive Jesus Christ. His love is touching you right now. 
if you want to receive His love, accept the forgiveness of sins and commit your life to Him, please pray this prayer after me. Dear God, I'm so sorry. I've sinned against You. I know I am a sinner. And yet, in Your unconditional love, You have loved me. You sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for all my sins. I confess all my sins and I ask Jesus Christ to come into my life. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. I surrender my life into your hands. Reveal to me your plan and purposes and I will follow after you. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you have prayed that prayer, congratulations. The biggest thing that can ever happen in your life is, has already begun. You have made the greatest decision and we want to congratulate you. Please let us know even on the, uh, uh, and, and connect with us even in the uh, link that is provided on the screen even right now. For the rest of us, let's continue to just look unto the Lord. Let's continue to look unto the Lord. On this Passion Sunday, when Jesus Christ knew what was ahead and He went ahead because of His love for each one of us. It is a love that is triumphant in your life, in my life, and it will make us triumphant in life no matter what situations that we go through. So receive the love of God right now and commit your life. Commit your life to the Lord. It costs Jesus everything. Will you surrender everything into your hands? And if you have any needs today, remember Episcopos. God love, God's loving care upon you. Reach out to the Lord and He will touch you right where you are as well. Let's pray. Right where you are in your home, just reach out to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you that you come, Lord, in love and care for each one of us. There are those who are still lacking peace. I speak the peace of God to come upon their heart right now, dear Lord. Peace. Shalom to each and every one of you. There are those, dear Lord, who are surrounded by difficult circumstances, situations, dear Lord, that cause their heart to waver, that cause their heart to falter in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, in your loving care, I pray that you will embrace them. That the confidence in the Lord, faith in a God who never fails, who has promised to be with us and to care for His people, be upon each and every person. Let your healing touch be upon those who are sick. In Jesus' name, be healed right now. For those who are lacking, dear Lord, in anything, I pray, dear Lord, oh, that you will touch them, that you will just provide, dear Lord, in your abundance, in your love and in your care. We claim the victory and the triumph in Christ right now. That we will walk in the victory, in the triumph of Christ when He has loved us with an everlasting love. Thank you, dear Lord. And finally, dear Lord, we just want to commit ourselves to you. 
You have given your all. You have loved us. We are never take for granted. We surrender everything we have. We surrender all that we are, even into your loving hands. For those whom we are calling to follow after you, dear God, I pray that you will confirm that call and they will serve you and walk the way that you have walked. Thank you, dear Father. So bless each and every one of us as we continue, dear Lord, in our journey in this Passion Week leading to us your crucifixion and your resurrection. And we will always remember your love is triumphant. So bless your people, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you and shalom. We'll see you on Good Friday as well as on Easter next Sunday. Shalom, shalom. <laughs>